Welcome to Friendship with God. Today, Tom Cantor will teach us from Genesis chapter 9 from the life of Noah and ask us the question, what kind of person is God? And is God really for me? And we'll learn how the Bible says God is for us, wants our good, and wants to see us fruitful. Now, as we've been mentioning all week long on the Friendship with God radio program, Tom Cantor, the founder of Israel Restoration Ministries, is launching a summer blitz to reach lost Jewish people around the United States of America. It is our fourth year doing this, and we want your participation with this. We've got 108 missionaries going out to 14 Jewish cities in the U.S. and Canada. We'd like to get up to 110. We need your support of two more missionaries. If you'd like to be a part of the gospel going out to the Jew first, as Romans 1.16 tells us and commands us to do, we want you to be a part with your financial support so that we can get two more missionaries out on the field giving out the gospel in these 14 U.S. and Canadian cities this summer from Monday, May 11th, all the way through August 3rd. And we want your support of Jewish evangelism here with the gospel going to lost Israel. Help reach the lost house of Israel and the sheep that need to know the gospel, the Jewish people. So call us with your tax-deductible donation and support to get more missionaries out there giving out the gospel to Jewish people in our 14 Jewish cities this summer. You can donate online anytime at israelrestoration.org, israelrestoration.org, or friendshipwithgod.org, friendshipwithgod.org, or call us at 800-247-3051, 800-247-3051. 3051 800-247-3051. Now here's our Bible teacher on friendship with God, Tom Cantor. Father, we come to you this morning. We're so needy, but you love us. And we remember the proverb that says about the father. Solomon said his father loved him and he taught him. And so, Lord, love us this morning by teaching us in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, Genesis 9, verse 7. And you... Be ye fruitful and multiply. Bring forth abundantly in the earth and multiply therein. And God, or Elohim, spake unto Noah and to his sons with him, saying, And I, behold, I establish my covenant with you and with your seed after you and with every living creature that is with you of the fowl, of the cattle, of the beast of the earth, with you from all that go out of the ark to every beast of the earth or all that will proceed from them in the future. And I will establish my covenant with you. Neither shall all flesh be cut off any more by the waters of a flood. Neither shall there any more be a flood to destroy the earth. God, or Elohim, said, This is the token of the covenant which I make between me and you and every living creature that is with you for perpetual generations. I do set my bow in the cloud, and it shall be for a token of a covenant between me and the earth. And it shall come to pass when I bring a cloud over the earth, and the bow shall be seen in the cloud. And I'll remember my covenant which is between me and you, Every living creature of all flesh and the water shall no more become a flood to destroy all the earth. And the bow shall be in the cloud, and I'll look upon it, that I may remember the everlasting covenant between God and every living creature of all flesh that is upon the earth. God said unto Noah, This is the token of the covenant which I have established between me and all flesh that is upon the earth. And the sons of Noah that went forth through the ark were Shem, Ham, and Japheth, and Ham's the father of Canaan. These are the three sons of Noah, and of them was the whole earth overspread. Noah began to be a husbandman, he planted a vineyard, he drank of the vine, and he was drunken, and he was uncovered within his tent. And Ham, the father of Canaan, saw the nakedness of his father, and told his two brethren without. Shem and Jepheth took a garment, and laid it upon both their shoulders, and went backward, 
and cover the nakedness of their father, and their faces were backward, they saw not their father's nakedness. Noah woke from his wine and knew what his younger son had done unto him. And he said, Cursed be Canaan, a servant of servants shall he be unto his brethren. And he said, Blessed be the Lord God of Shem and of Canaan. Canaan shall be a servant, and God shall enlarge Japheth, which means one who spreads abroad. And he shall dwell in the tents of Shem, and Canaan shall be a servant. And Noah lived after the flood 350 years, and all the days with Noah were 950, and he died. Yeah. Okay, now, Noah and his family, they've come out of the ark, and Noah has built the altar. We saw that last time. Noah's offered all those burnt offerings, the clean animals, which he did last time. He acknowledged, he acknowledged, God acknowledged when he spoke that he knew that he was signing up to be the God of people who have a sinful nature from their youth. And God revealed that he does not enjoy judgment, but that he's a God who enjoys salvation. And he promised that he's never going to judge the earth again like he did in the great flood. And he promised that as long as the earth remains, the seasons would remain. The day, the night is going to remain. The heat, the the cold, the summer, the winter, the, and all that's going to remain. And the earth's going to continue to be a wonderful, beautiful place is what he's saying. Because he would keep it that way for the benefit of man, just as he created in the, in the beginning. And then God told Noah that he was giving Noah dominion over animal life. He reaffirmed that. He already told that to uh, Adam. And God told Noah that now he can eat the meat as food also. And then he explained to Noah that Noah was to honor blood was to honor blood by not eating blood from the animals because God said the life is in the blood. And then he said because all men are made in the image of God that man was also to respect the life of man, all men, and not murder. And, there was, and if there was murder, then man was to take the life of the murderer. And all of that was because man was made in the image of God. That was the explanation. Man was made in the image of God. Then God said to Noah in Genesis 9-7 that he should be fruitful and multiply and bring forth abundantly in the earth. And here, God is saying to Noah that he wants, that he is for Noah. That's really the theme of the book of Genesis, that God is for man. He's for Noah. That's a basic good question that we should just think about. Is God really for me? That's a question. Is God really for me? I have so many problems in my life. Is God really for me? Or is he against me? You know, that was, you remember in Joshua, Joshua's day, when the manna stopped and Joshua met this man with this sword. And Joshua had only one question for him in Joshua 5.13. It says, It came to pass when Joshua was by Jericho that he lifted up his eyes and looked, and behold, and there stood a man over against him with a sword drawn in his hand. And Joshua went unto him and said unto him, Very simple question. Art thou for us or for our adversaries? That's a question. He says, I don't want to know where you came from. I don't want to know anything about you. I see you got a sharp sword. I just got one question. <laughs> Very smart that Joshua was. Got right to the point. No pen intended. And um, we have a lot of adversaries. We have a lot of adversaries. Paul said in 1 Corinthians 69 that a great and effectual door was opened to him, and there are many adversaries, is what he said. And as believers, as believers in the Lord Jesus Christ, we have many adversaries. And these adversaries are like in categories or titles. 
You might say in Ephesians 6.12, some of our adversaries are called principalities. Some of our adversaries are called powers. Some of our adversaries are called the rulers of the darkness of this world. Some of our adversaries are called spiritual wickednesses in high places. And together they all add up to many adversaries. And each one of those adversaries is not for us. There's a question, Joshua. They're not for us. They're against us. Each one of those adversaries is against us. Each one of those adversaries wants to destroy us. They want to defeat us. They want to discourage us. They want to dishearten us. They want to cast us down. They want to send us into a spiral of depression. Each one of those adversaries wants to do that. Now, we don't see all those adversaries. That's a good thing. Otherwise, we'd faint. But with all those adversaries so much more powerful than us, all wanting to do those things against us, the question is, how are we supposed to stand? How are we supposed to stand? Well, we sit under the shadow of verse 7 when we read this here and let the truth of this verse 7 sink in and answer the question for us, what kind of a person is God? Who is God? And we see from verse 7, from what he said to Noah, that God is for us. God really wants our good. God wants to see us fruitful. That's who God is. That's why it's so important in looking at the Bible to see how God deals with the Jewish people. Because when we see how God deals with the Jewish people, then we're really learning about who God is. What kind of a person is God? For example, God said to the Jewish people in Jeremiah 3.12, Go and proclaim these words toward the north and say, Return, thou backsliding Israel, saith the Lord, and I will not cause mine anger to fall upon you. For I am merciful, saith the Lord, and I will not keep my anger forever. Now, we know that the Jewish people, they they got out in front in many, many things. And one of the areas they really got out in front on is being defiant against God, being rebellious against God, worshiping idols. And they really got out in front, sad to say, in making God angry. And so, as we study how God dealt with the Jewish people, after all, the things that the Jewish people had done against God. And then we see God saying to the Jewish people words like, Return, thou backsliding Israel. We see him saying words like, I won't cause my anger to fall on you. We see him saying things like, I am merciful. We see him saying things like, I'll not keep my anger forever. That tells us who God is. And that greatly encourages us. You know, those words were spoken to the Jewish people. That's the way we need to see them. They're spoken to the Jewish people. They're not spoken to the church. They're not spoken to the Gentile church. If you think that they're spoken to the church and the Gentile church, you're seeing things. See? And, that's, and people who go to psychiatrists, that's their problem. They see things that aren't there, see? So we don't want to be like that. So we see, it's just study it for what it is. So, and then he says in Ezekiel 36, 9, he says, For behold, again, God speaking to the Jewish people, For behold, I am for you, he said. I am for you. Imagine that. God saying to the Jewish people, after all they've done against him, that he, the Lord Jesus Christ saying to the Jewish people, after all the despising and rejecting that they've done against him, that he says to them, I am for you. Very simple statement. And I will turn unto you, and you shall be tilled and sown. That's a very simple take-home message from verse 7. God is for Noah. 
And when we let that truth sink into us, we understand that God is for man. God is for man. We'll return with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor, here on the Friendship with God radio program. We want to encourage you, as we mentioned at the start of our program, to support Jewish evangelism. We have a campaign called the Summer Blitz, and Tom Cantor, the founder of Israel Restoration Ministries, is sending out 108 missionaries around the United States in 14 Jewish cities in the U.S. and Canada, and we want to send out a few more missionaries to these cities so that the Jewish people can be reached with the gospel. Will you support lost Israel being reached with the gospel here in America, what a joy to stand before the Lord Jesus Christ one day and say, I helped find one of your lost sheep of the house of Israel. Here they are. And it's a joy to support Jewish evangelism. If you'd like to support us with your tax-free deductible donation, you can do so by going online to friendshipwithgod.org, friendshipwithgod.org, or calling us now or after the program at 800-247-3051, And then we understand from Romans 8.31, what shall we say then to these things? If God be for us, who can be against us? And when it comes to marriage, trouble in the marriage, there's just one simple question. Husbands, are you for your wife? A wife, are you for your husband? That's a simple question. Well, I love my wife. I didn't ask you that. Well, I care for my husband. I didn't ask you that. I'm wild about my wife. I didn't ask you that. I'm just asking, husbands, are you for your wives? And wives, are you for your husbands? Very simple, because God is for man. And if husbands are for their wives, and wives are for their husbands, so many problems in the marriages just solve themselves. They get solved. They dissipate. All right, now, verse 11 through, verse 8 through 11. So now with verse 8, God calls together Noah and his sons with something very important that he wants to tell them. Very important. And he tells them in verse 9 that he is establishing, or literally making to stand, a covenant. A covenant with them, and not just with them, with every person after them, and with the animals, and all the animals that come after them, and the birds. And this is so very important to God that in verse 11, He repeats it, and he says, I'm establishing my covenant with you. It's very important to note here that this statement is made by God twice, and he's emphasizing to them, this is my covenant. You know, man didn't, Noah didn't ask for this covenant. Nobody asked for this covenant. But this is something so important to God that he wants to make this this promise that he's not going to kill anymore by a worldwide flood. Now, what's going on here? Why do we have these verses? Why is God doing this? I mean, he didn't have to do this. No one asked him to do it. He does it twice. He's he's emphasizing that it's his covenant, and and he's going to make it stand. And so, and he he introduces it with the word behold, which, as you remember, means look up, you know, like you know. (laughs) So, look up, God says. I'm making this covenant to stand. It's my covenant. What's What's this teaching us? Well, Before the flood, God said, you remember in in Genesis 6, 3, that his spirit would not always strive with man. And from that verse, we understood that God's spirit had been struggling with man, had been wrestling with man. 
And he was trying to get man to come to himself. And God was trying to get man to repent. And he was trying to get man to stop going down that road of violence and corruption. But the sad truth is, God lost the battle. That's what you have to conclude. He lost the battle with the souls of men. And there was nothing left for God to do but judgment. And then we, see, we saw his thought process. What was going on inside God's mind? And he said in Genesis 6, 5 through 7, he said, he, when he saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth and that every imagination of thought of his heart was only evil continually, in other words, there was no stop in man. He was hell-bent, literally, to going to hell. And it repented the Lord that he had made man on the earth and it grieved him at his heart. And then God said, okay, I, there's nothing left for me to do. I will destroy man, whom I have created from the face of the earth, man and beast, creep things fowls. It repenteth me that I have made them. Okay, now, Noah and his family, they've come out of the ark, and Noah has built the altar. We saw that last time. Noah's offered all those burnt offerings, the clean animals, which he did last time. He acknowledged, he acknowledged, God acknowledged when he spoke that he knew that he was signing up to be the God of people who have a sinful nature from their youth. Now, we don't see all those adversaries. That's a good thing. Otherwise, we'd faint. But with all those adversaries so much more powerful than us, all wanting to do those things against us, the question is, how are we supposed to stand? How are we supposed to stand? Before the flood, God said, you remember in in Genesis 6, 3, that his spirit would not always strive with man. And that, from that verse, we understood that God's spirit had been struggling with man, had been wrestling with man. So we saw, we saw in those verses that how when God lost the battle for, in trying to persuade men to forsake sin, to follow righteousness, and having lost that battle... It brought a great sadness to God's heart where it says it grieved him at his heart. And then we saw there was nothing left for God to do. There was no other option except for him to resort to this worldwide destruction that happened in the flood. And that's when he said, I will destroy man whom I have created. Then we saw that before he did that, God reflected on what had happened to his earth, to men and all that. And he said, it repenteth me that I have made them. In other words, God was saying, look, because of the decisions that man has made, God said he was actually sorry that he made man in the first place. He was sorry. He said, I I wished I hadn't done it, is what he is saying at that point. When with those words, it grieved him in his heart, it repenteth me that I have made them, we really see a picture of God in great distress over sin, and over the, the, the corruption and violence that man had engaged himself in. And then came the flood. Now, at the end of the flood, it looks like God has taken time to reflect backwards. See? Before he was reflecting forwards, now he's reflecting backwards on what happened. And he feels really badly about what happened. He hates the judgment that man forced him to bring on the world. He hates this, what happened with this worldwide flood. He doesn't feel good about it at all. And he's looking over the devastation and the death that the flood has brought, and God's sorry. And he's, he's not taking pleasure in what happened, 
Like he said in, in Ezekiel 18.32, I have no pleasure in the death of, the, of him that dieth, saith the Lord. Wherefore, turn yourselves and live. He said in Ezekiel 33.11, As I live, saith the Lord God, I have no pleasure in the death of the wicked, but that the wicked turn from his way and live. Turn ye, turn ye from your evil ways, for why will you die, O house of Israel? So God wants Noah and his sons to know how much he hates to judge man. How much? Because why? Because God is for man. And God does not want to judge man. And God does not want to send anyone to hell. He doesn't. And that gives us the clarity here as we see what he's doing here of 2 Peter 3, 9. Because this is an illustration when Peter says, The Lord is not willing that any should perish but that all should come to repentance. He doesn't want to send people to hell. He wants to save all men. And that's what it means in 1 Timothy 2.4 when he says the Lord will have all men to be saved, come to the knowledge of the truth. He only sends men to hell when they force him to because they will not let him save them from their sins. And that's a bad day for God when he sends anyone to hell. And God wants this part of his person to be magnified or known or seen over and over again. So he makes this covenant or promise to never use a worldwide flood again to destroy man. And then, in verse 11 through 16, he gives a token for that covenant. So the fact that God does not enjoy to judge man, God is not to want to send anyone to hell, it's so important with God that we have these verses from 11 through 16 where he makes this special token. No one asked him for the covenant. For sure, no one asked him for the token. So all of a sudden, now we have a token for a covenant that wasn't asked for. We've got a token that wasn't asked for. We've got a covenant that wasn't asked for anyway. And he explains what this special token means. And, he's, and it's so important to God to make man understand he doesn't want to send anyone to hell, to judgment. So he explains what he's doing in a very definite act. And he says, I do set... And then he calls the rainbow, my bow. That's what he says in the cloud in Genesis 9. And he says, verse 13, and he explains that the rainbow is a token. It's a token of a covenant that he's made there. And he explains that he wants to have this token many times appear, like a continual appearance of this token in the sky for everybody to see. And he says that when this token is seen, this rainbow, it's a continual reminder. And he even says in verse 16, 15, he says, I'm going I'm to enjoy looking at that token because he says, I'll remember, when I see the token, God says, I'll remember the covenant. And the waters shall no more become a flood to destroy all flesh. He said he enjoys to be reminded about the covenant. He enjoys to be reminded that he doesn't want to send anyone to hell. That's what he enjoys to be reminded. And that's why he said that, that it's going to be in the cloud and I'll look upon it. So God says, when it appears, he's going to take some time to look on it. Every time it appears, he's going to look on it. He's going to remember, I don't like to send anyone to hell. That's not me. Now, why does God always want to see the token? Because, again, it's for God, it's for us to be reminded who he is. Why does he want it all the time? Because so many people are forcing God to send them to hell. How? By clinging to their sin, by not letting God save them. 
It seems like God is just continually sending people to hell, and he doesn't want to be doing it. God wants that there should be in the sky a reminder that this is not what he wants to do. Another great day of fantastic teaching here on the Friendship with God radio program. Thank you for listening. We've got many things to announce for you here. You can sign up for Tom Cantor's daily devotional verse, which is available at friendshipwithgod.org. Just go to friendshipwithgod.org and click on sign up, and you'll be able to get Tom Cantor's Friendship with God daily devotional verse, as well as sign up for the newsletter from Friendship with God and Israel Restoration Ministries. And when you sign up for the newsletter, you'll be able to hear about the Summer Blitz. Now, this is what we've been telling you all week long, the Jewish outreach campaign that we have that's going around the United States starting Monday, May 11th, all the way through August 3rd, where we go to 14 Jewish cities around the U.S. and Canada, and we take the gospel to the Jewish people to reach them, that they might be saved as well, too. And it's our heart's desire, it was Paul's desire, and it's the Lord's desire that is spoken of in Scripture that he wants his people to be saved. If you'd like to be a part of reaching lost Israel here in America, the Jewish people can be saved. Blindness has come in part, not in whole, to the Jewish people, so they can receive Jesus Christ as their Messiah, too. Help us to take resources, materials, and a gospel witness to them. We've got 108 missionaries going out. We want to send 110, maybe more. We need your support, tax-free deductible support. You can send it to us online at israelrestoration.org. Donate right online at israelrestoration.org. That's israelrestoration.org. Or you can also go to friendshipwithgod.org, friendshipwithgod.org. Donate right online or call us now with your tax-free support for Jewish evangelism and support for this Bible teaching radio program. Our number is 800-247-3051, 800-247-3051. Again, 800-247-3051. Thanks for listening to Friendship with God.